welcome to the Dairy Dialogue podcast, and it's number 151, which is the same backwards. I'm one of those weird people, maybe there are others out there, who always tries to look at the mileage on the car when it's a palindrome number. Last week I was very annoyed to have missed 42224, as I looked when it was 42225. Maybe I'm the only one who does that. Maybe I shouldn't say who I am in case it's used against me to prove my insanity, but I will. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and it's been one of those weeks where I'm all over the place and busy and not feeling like I've achieved a whole lot. It's not been the busiest of news weeks. It must be that summer lull, although it's not summer in half the world, so that can't be a good excuse. It was a full moon here last night, and for once it wasn't cloudy, so we saw it. It is getting a little chillier at night, but what with all of the news here in the UK about energy prices going through the roof, I'll be digging out the thermals before I have the heat on. The extra couple of school holidays are over, although it's only two weeks now to the next week off. And that also coincides with Anuga. There's Anuga and Vita Foods coming up fast, as are all of the emails inviting me to do interviews at both of them. Travel seems to have got a bit easier, and also more complicated at the same time. In England, there's now no need to take a test while in a different country to come back in again afterwards. So a lot of companies that do that test aren't bothering to sell it anymore, and of course that makes sense. However, in Scotland it's still a requirement, so it looks like having to take the test in the airport before flying back again. And there's no mention whatsoever of what to do when you're transiting through a third country which almost all flights out of Scotland do. All I know is the days of getting off the flight, grabbing your bag and breezing through border control and being on a bus or train into the city within half an hour are likely over. And the airlines, or at least some of them, are trying to get their money back in other ways. Cheap flights, but then insanely high prices for luggage. You can take a laptop bag on for free, but I'm not sure how many people can stuff a week of clothing in a laptop bag. Anyway, as I mentioned, it's been a slow few weeks for news, and that's translated into interviews for the podcast. So there are just two this week, although three people. We are talking steam infusion with Dr. Wayne Martindale, Associate Professor, Enterprise and Foods Insights and Sustainability at the University of Lincoln's National Center for Food Manufacturing, and Jake Norman, Sales Director at OAL. And we'll also take a look at new products from Signode with Drew Wenrich, Global Product Manager at the company. And of course, we also have our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton at StoneX. So let's get to the news. Nestle is including dairy in its plans to support a transition to a regenerative food system. Malaysia is looking to reduce milk imports through its Dairy Valley project, and a sustainable school milk project in Austria has been recognized with an award. The American Dairy Coalition is supporting a return to the previous Class 1 pricing while new options are explored. Sealpack launched new flat map packaging, and SIG has added digital recipe management. The new Union Plus Dairy production plant in Italy has been inaugurated, Arla is looking at the potential of regenerative dairy farming, and Perfect Day says animal-free dairy protein uses less water and energy. 
We had an article on an enzyme that may be useful in dairy products to prevent growth of listeria. Dairy supplier Maxim opened its new office in Australia and the NFU unveiled its plans for a UK dairy export strategy. India has announced a freight subsidy for dairy exporters and the UAE is looking to other markets after getting the green light for continued camel milk product exports to the EU. You can read all of these and many more at dairyreporter.com. So now it's on to today's interviews. Signode is going to be exhibiting a few new products relevant to the dairy industry at Pack Expo in Las Vegas, which is right around the corner. So to tell us about them is Drew Wenrich, Global Product Manager at Signode. So I wonder if you could give me a little bit of background about the company to start off with. Yeah, of course. So uh, simply put, Signode, you know, we consider ourselves a global leading manufacturer of broad spectrum of transit packaging solutions. So our annual revenues today exceed over $2 billion. Uh, we've got reach over six continents through 80-plus manufacturing facilities. The depth of the Signode product portfolio includes the design, manufacturing of advanced packaging equipment, warehouse automated solutions, and the production of strap stretch protective packaging solutions. Our customers rely on us to efficiently and effectively pack, bundle, unitize, warehouse, and transport their products all across global supply chains to the end customer. Obviously, Pack Expo is coming up just around the corner. How important is that to the company? So Pack Expo is exponentially important to our company. It's obviously a world-class show that brings together not only packaging suppliers, but also industry professionals with the efforts to showcase innovations and new product launches. For Signode, it's an opportunity for us to connect with our distribution partners, our customers, and then showcase some of our current innovations and unmatched solutions. Just as valuable is the opportunity to observe and discuss the current market trends, current unmet needs, and these are obviously instrumental in driving future new product development. And so what new products are you exhibiting at the event? Yes, this year we're happy to announce the upcoming launch of our StoreFast cart, shuttle, and lift system. We will have a physical sample cart on display. The lift system will feature a higher speed increased weight capacity up to 2,000 kilograms with an increased controlled acceleration and deceleration system. Comprehensively, these upgrades allow the system greater flexibility in terms of handling various pallet sizes, weights, and optimizes overall load stability. In addition to the StoreFast system, we'll also be demonstrating our Little David PackPoint's complete packaging system that'll be paired with a pick-and-place robot. The PackPoint system integrates automatic case packaging functions like case forming, material handling, case packing, case sealing, and finally, some labeling application. It is a flexible system. It's got different pieces of equipment available based on specific customer needs. And finally, we're happy to introduce our Signode SGP general purpose strapping machines to the Americas region. We'll have our standard painted machines on display along with a stainless steel machine, which is targeted for the dairy and other food segments. The stainless construction makes it wash down ready for applications where a clean sanitary environment is critical. And so could you tell me a little bit more about Storefast and how relevant it is for dairy companies? Absolutely. So the new Storefast, it's a high-density and flexible automated warehouse system. 
So the system is particularly valuable in cold storage applications due to the complexity of managing varying temperatures, date code tracking requirements with regards to storage and order fulfillment efforts. StoreFAFS affords the dairy segment reliable temperature maintenance with very little variance, which could be based on product needs. The elimination of the manual moving of products increases the inventory management efficiency and allows for a smaller or reduced footprint, which creates sort of that higher density warehouse that I spoke about. Ultimately, the ROI in the store fast produces much higher productivity, protected product margins, and lower costs of operation than the alternatives. And so what, what are the improvements with that compared to what's already available on the market? Yeah, so the most impactful improvement is the ability to respond to different load types with autonomous material handling, such as acceleration, deceleration, which is product and pallet specific. The ideal product movement, it's determined by properties of the load configured uh, through rules and logic of the store fast system, and it can be dialed in unique to each individual pallet product configuration as needed. And the new Packpoint automated packaging line. Can you tell me how that helps dairy and dairy alternative producers? Absolutely. Yeah, it's no surprise that there's rising requests for automation and integration, especially within end-of-line packaging. The Little David Packpoint Complete Packaging System provides an integrated, flexible packaging line, which is customized based on the needs of customers. Specific needs addressed include footprint limitations, a wide catalog of case sizes, various throughput requirements, and then inline automated marking, coding, labeling systems, and frames that are available in stainless steel construction with an IP rating of 6.5 or a NEMA 4X rating. This protects the electrical components from the ingress of dust and water for spray down, wash down applications that might be common in food and dairy uh, sanitary environments. At PAC Expo, we'll be taking these integration efforts a step further. We'll be pairing that pack point system with a pick and place robot that'll add automated case packing operation to work alongside the automated case erector, the automated case sealer, the material handling conveyor, and a top label applying system. The pairing affords dairy producers an optimized case equipment line, which is much more efficient, productive, consistent, and even flexible than a semi-automatic solution or a manual packaging line, for example. And the stainless steel strapping machines that you mentioned, what are the benefits of those? Yeah, so we're excited to continue our introduction of the stainless steel SGP general purpose strapping machines into the Americas region. To provide a little background, this is a Swiss-made solution that was initially released into the European market, and Signo plans to leverage the success that we've seen in the dairy segment also into the Americas. The Signode SGP series of strapping machines offers a reliable high-speed solution that's equipped with various configurations such as semi-automatic, automatic, we've got side seal, bottom seal, multiple arch sizes to handle various packaging, and stainless steel frame design just like our little David equipment with an IP rating of 6.5. At Pack Expo, the customers will have an opportunity not only to interact with the machine to observe its functional capabilities, but we'll also take a look at a simulated washdown application that's showing off that electrical protection afforded by the IP rating, along with the ease of the post-shift washdown application that's necessary to uh, maintain proper sanitation in the dairy segment, along with other food segments. 
must be nice to be able to actually showcase these things again as opposed to just talk about them uh, over the phone or over Zoom. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been sort of a challenge and, you know, it's always nice to touch, feel, interact and showcase our solutions, but also get real-time feedback. You know, it's just not the same doing it virtually as, as you can in person. So how important is working with your customers to determine what kind of technology to develop and also with your existing products, what tweaks or upgrades are needed? Yes, it's infinitely important. The goal of our development process is geared to produce optimal outcomes, and that starts and has to be defined by customer needs, requirements. We take a hands-on approach, including detailed market analysis, solution benchmarking to discover unmet needs, operational efficiencies. They allow us to develop solution-based equipment that develops an ROI driven by customer needs, feedback, and validation. And so what other technology that's relevant to dairy and the dairy alternative sectors are you showcasing at the event? Yeah, so the Storefast technology provides the dairy segment that temperature control capabilities in these very sensitive environments. It provides a versatile system designed to handle various product pallets efficiently, autonomous management of the inventory, and safe, secure environments, and then that reduced cost of ownership to the alternatives through the small footprint, reduced operational costs. The Little David Packpoint technology will provide the dairy segment a dynamic, complete case packaging solution. It's customizable based on specific needs of the dairy segment, which might include modules to address things like footprint requirements, various case sizes, various throughput requirement speeds or productivity needs, sanitation or electrical production requirements, and seamless integration into other automated functions within the full production line. The Signode SGP stainless steel and IP rating provide customers an efficient, protected strapping system, which is washed down ready without the need for external or, or extra production that might slow down the production. It's got a comprehensive portfolio of machine configurations, options, which are tailored to customer needs. All right. Is there anything else that you wanted to highlight that you're going to be doing at the event? So we'll have industry and, and segment specialists there on site to answer any questions, of course, that our customers may have, interact, learn more about customer needs and trends. So we'll have stretch film experts, we'll have strap experts, we'll have strapping tool experts on site. And as you alluded to, we're just excited about the opportunity to meet with our customers face-to-face, -face, learn more about their needs, and ensure we're doing what we can to address them. Now to grab your attention, it's a way to save money and reduce carbon footprints. New research in the UK spearheaded by the National Centre for Food Manufacturing at the University of Lincoln, one of my favourite cities by the way, has found steam infusion can reduce energy consumption by 17% per batch compared to basic direct steam heating. So we will hear about the research from the NFCM's Dr. Wayne Martindale, who's the Associate Professor, Enterprise and Food Insights and Sustainability at the University of Lincoln's National Center for Food Manufacturing. He led the research, and we'll also hear from engineering company OAL, which supplies the technology, and their sales director, Jake Norman. And it's Dr. Martindale we hear from first. I guess the first question is if you could tell me a little bit about the NCFM. Yes, certainly, Jim. NCFM, the National Centre for Food Manufacturing, is a research institute which is part of the University of Lincoln. And we're based in Holbeach, 
about 40, 45 miles southeast of Lincoln, where the main campus is. And the reason we're based there is we're in the centre of a cluster of food manufacturers who process and manufacture food, meals and beverages, of course, and um, close proximity to one of the most important clusters of field-grown vegetables and so on. So very much a food manufacturing cluster. As well as providing a portfolio of research, we also deliver a skills and training agenda and education agenda. So we teach right through from apprenticeship levels through to degree and postgraduate levels. So talent um, development, skill development is a real key thing of what we deliver. One of the key areas in research that we deliver on is automation and robotics. And that's part of what we're going to talk about later on in this podcast. And sticking with the acronyms, I wonder if you could tell me a little about OAL. So OAL is a uh, family business. It's an engineering company based in the UK. And we help food companies automate and become more efficient and improve the quality in their businesses. Now, we do that by developing various technologies that we then either deploy ourselves in factories, mainly in the UK, but then also with partners all around the world. Um, And one of these technologies which we're focused on today is our steam infusion technology, um, which we've developed and worked with the University of Lincoln and now sell that on a global basis to food companies and various dairy companies. And how did the partnership take place? Well, I'm relatively new at the National Centre for Food Manufacturing, Jim. And my knowledge of this project, it may go back further, but it started about five or six years ago with um, the successful winning of some public funding from Innovate UK to set up a demonstration of steam infusion, the OAL steam infusion facility at Whole Beach, and that's in place in one of our food halls. That's also developed to um, have an automated demonstration of the steam infusion facilities in another one of our food halls. The really important thing here is the public funding initially enabled us to build a demonstrator of this particular type of steam infusion and that is incredibly important and I would say it's really quite unique and it's really the lifeblood of what we do. If you can't demonstrate how something works then it's less likely that people are going to believe you and you can do all the research on the bench at pilot scale and and things like that but a real demonstrator showing real food products being processed is absolutely king in this process. And the other thing that the public funding also established was the value of partnerships between industry and universities, which is, is again, a unique exemplar. Just to add to that, for food companies, what they can achieve then at the National Centre for Food Manufacturing is this exposure to new technologies, backed up with all the research and academics that can actually help them realise sort of new product development. So... For us, what that means is we've actually been getting uh, food companies from all over the world, from Japan, from the US, where they actually initially we obviously talk about things normally remotely, but they'd actually come and test those products over in Whole Beach in the facilities there in terms of demonstrating what you can achieve with it is a sort of second to none. As we're talking about steam infusion, I wonder if you could give me a bit of an overview of what steam infusion is. A steam infusion, it's a form of direct steam injection, but we're actually creating this unique processing environment by the way that we're introducing the steam into the product. 
And when I say unique, then what we're actually doing is using steam to both heat, mix and then pump uh, liquid food products. The uniqueness comes from the actual fact that we're accelerating the steam into the product, which actually generates a partial vacuum. And now the clever bit is that this partial vacuum then means that the unit pumps because it's literally sucking the food product through. And because it's in this vacuum, you don't get any exposure to excess temperatures. So if you imagine you when you're at home and you're cooking like a bechamel sauce or a cheese based sauce, when you've got normally over the direct contact heat service, you're going to get burn onto the product. With this partial vacuum environment we create, you get no burn on, but you're still able to cook products either up to 95 degrees on a, on a batch basis or 140 degrees C. And what we're able to then do is control this processing environment by varying the steam pressure, which then changes the conditions so we can create quite a shearing environment, but we can also create quite a, a very gentle process. So we've then been deploying that across industries and, and the big wins are generally on increasing cooking capacity. So it's very fast, but then also on improving quality. So removing decoloration because it's a fast process, it, it retains a lot more of the colour, specifically to dairy. We are actually able to keep products very, very white, very clear. You don't get any of the burn on types at all or flex of burnt product within the finished products. And it's applicable. is it applicable to a wide range of dairy products and also in the dairy alternative space? But very much so. So as part of working with the University of Lincoln, what we did was we did an optimization of this where we looked at different applications uh, within the food industry and working with the actual end users as well to identify where where's it going to make the biggest impact in terms of increasing capacity and improving product quality. Um, and in particular, in the dairy sector, there's that significant improvement because of the removal of the burn on in the process itself. We've been doing over the last few years as well, we've been doing more in the alternative dairy products area. So in terms of processing of oats and grains, one of the unique characteristics of the technology is you create a shearing environment. It's not a homogenizer, but it creates a homogenizing effect and it's controllable. And what that does mean is you can create very smooth uh, sort of oat based drinks. Um, we've got systems that are being used across parts of Africa, but also in, in, in mainland Europe for oat based applications. And what are the implications when it comes to steam infusion and sustainability? Well, this is where I think my research group's influence has been really key in that we've linked the engineering processes, which the engineers design so well that Jake's been talking about, the vacuum pump, the way the steam is introduced and so on, to energy reduction, first of all. And in the research paper that we've recently published, we definitively qualify that there is a 15 to 20% reduction in the energy embodied in the process of heating dairy products in the processing in the factory. And that has a very key knock-on effect to greenhouse gas emissions associated with that processing and those products. Now, this is a key time because everyone's talking about carbon zero and carbon neutral. So it has particular poignancy because one of the alternative ways of reducing your carbon footprint is to buy in carbon credits, to get into tree planting schemes and all those types of things, which are incredibly important. But what this type of steam infusion does is it builds in those greenhouse gas reductions into the product development process. So it, it's very real. It's very connected to the consumer. 
and very understandable. Reducing energy in the processing in the factory reduces the carbon footprint. And also some of the quality aspects that Jake has raised just then are really important because if you improve the consumer fulfillment of a product, you're getting it to the consumer faster because there's less downtime in the factory and things like that. The quality improves and there's also the likelihood that there's less domestic waste associated with that product, for example. So there are many sustainability outcomes, but the key one that we've identified in the current research is energy reduction is built into the product. And the numbers that came out in terms of the press release and the research was 17%. Um, Is that like across the board or how does that work in terms of the research that you did? So, Jim, by our very nature, we tend to standardise things. So we have a select type of products that we've tested on in in detail. However, what we can now do is extrapolate to a, a whole range of dairy products, for example, because we understand the properties of those specific experiments and the reported research. And I think from what we see in terms of our system integrators that are using this technology as part of a whole process, then you can actually drive much greater energy savings compared to sort of an an older process. And the steam infusion technology enables this because it is a simplification. It's a single device that's heating, it's mixing, and it's going to be pumping that liquid. So if you can then optimise that on a line and rather having lots of different equipment doing various different tasks, potentially very inefficiently, as as in with steam jacketed technologies and and sort of scrape surface heat exchangers. It can reduce the footprint of the whole system, which is going to be a benefit to the whole factory, but it's also going to make the overall process more sustainable. When it comes to dairy companies, they vary in size from extremely small to massive. Is it applicable at both ends of that scale? And if so, how does it help those companies reach their sustainability goals? I think this is one of the key things in the reported research. The technology itself is modular. It can be integrated into existing processes. So, yes, it's applicable to micro companies, SMEs and large food groups. It can be, I'm probably using the wrong term here, but bolted into quite complex processes to simplify process throughput, to make those processes more responsive to supply and demand. So it's modular, it's designed like that, and we can demonstrate that at Whole Beach, of course. In terms of actual then throughput rates, a typical line you would be looking to process at least 2,000 litres of a, a product per hour for the technology to really be able to be utilised and and to make quite a significant difference. Um, And then we've got lines going all the way up to sort of 45,000 litres an hour plus. So it can very much go into enterprise scale of food manufacturers. But at the lower scale, there is flexibility. So you're not fixed. It's not like a fixed system to be able to do one product. So where you might be making smaller batches, you're going to cycle them faster. So you can then make a wider range of SKUs. And the processing is marketed globally in a whole range of different types of situation, which so it has global relevance. So when we're thinking about things like the sustainable development goals, it has absolute exemplar applicability to those types of things. Yeah, I mean, the work we've been doing in South Africa with our partner Filmatic in selling a complete process for manufacturing like oat based drinks and maize based drinks in those areas has major sustainability benefits because it's going from a very traditional, very manual process to near almost fully automated lines, which from a sustainability point of view is a lot more energy efficient.
and of course you're helping with sustainability but i assume that this also saves them money if they're cutting energy are there other benefits as well it saves money in terms of yeah in terms of reduced labor and improved efficiency of the whole line but also the product that you're making is very nutritious they're actually able to fortify it with other nutrients so all round it's sort of a, a win for all stakeholders involved and on the sustainability theme, there are also what I'd call latent benefits. For example, more simplified cleaning in place processing. So there's less risk associated with chemical usage, no moving parts. All that adds up into uh, what I'd say are greater sustainability outcomes. In terms of getting to those companies to help them, how do you help the companies or how are you able to help companies achieve this? So as OAL, we've got our own chef and process engineer. So if a company comes across and says, we're interested in this technology, or we want to improve our processes, then we can actually review their existing process and suggest the potential savings in terms of energy, in terms of product quality benefits. You're then normally looking to trial it. Everyone wants to see it with their own eyes. So that's where we've got the demonstrator at the University of Lincoln the National Centre for Food Manufacturing. We've also got a demonstrator in Portugal and we are also able to loan these units out. So in Zambia, they actually take the unit, plug it into the factory and manufacture the product. And so you can actually sort of see how it functions before you actually buy it, which is a big step in all of these things. Because I think people can be quite sceptical of new technologies and say it does all these amazing things. It doesn't do burn on. So once you actually get someone to see it, doesn't burn the product, it's a fantastic result. So one of our global partners, Jim, um, is Spirit Sarco, one of the largest steam equipment suppliers in the world. Now, as part of their process, what they actually do is go into facilities and do an energy audit so they can see where you're losing energy and, and where there are opportunities to save. So working closely with them as part of that auditing process, they can then audit the existing cooking process and then review how much of an energy saving can be achieved by uh, switching the cooking process to steam infusion, which results in the reduction in carbon, but also potential money savings as well. And so obviously sustainability is at the forefront of consumers' minds at the moment, among other things, but how can those improvements be communicated to the end consumer? I think we've seen it in a, a number of ways. Uh, how that's communicated. So some food companies actually choose to share on, on their websites, actually this adoption of new technologies and, and give insights into the manufacturing process, improving the transparency and get so consumers understand how the products get made and where the sustainability wins can be from a manufacturing process. So if that's a company called Senna in Austria, makes tomato ketchup and, and shares that quite publicly. I think the other side of it is in terms of actually just the general carbon footprint um, of products. If you can start to make those claims on pack, I think consumers are more interested now, so it will lead to it. I think this is still a developmental space in many ways. Yes, we can carbon footprint things, and, and undoubtedly the, there will be lower carbon footprints associated with products that are using this steam infusion technology because it's using less energy. It makes perfect sense. However, the adoption of the carbon footprint in the consumer environment has probably been quite limited for the last since it first turned up around about 15 years ago. And I think sustainability nowadays means so much more to the consumer. 
It has to relate to quality. It has to relate to an, an ethical production environment, a safe production environment, a visible production environment. And I think that's what I've learned in reporting this research, that this can be done. Manufacturing and processing doesn't necessarily have to be a frightening thing that happens in factories for people that aren't conversant with those processes. Steam infusion makes sense. It's a relatively simple process. I understand it. I'm not an engineer. And it makes sense to the whole product development process for the things that we've been discussing. There's the zero carbon tour, which makes it sound like you're kind of in a band and doing gigs in different cities around the country. Could you tell me what the uh, zero carbon tour is and who's the lead vocalist? <laughs> I think I think some of my colleagues might take the lead vocalist role. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I'm more of a bass player or drummer at the back. The Net Zero Carbon Tour is, is essentially a tour bus to add to the rock and roll theme. And it started off at the Eden Project and it's moving up the country to hit the Conference of Parties 26. This is where it gets less rock and roll, I have to say, which starts at the beginning of November, where greenhouse gas emissions and net zero and carbon neutral are going to be discussed by policymakers from countries all over the world. The key thing about this tour, and the really important thing, is it's stopping in Lincoln, where myself and Jake are going to present this research on the 27th of September. It's led by a company called Planet Mark. They have a website. The Carbon Neutral Carbon Zero Tour is, has a web page. You can register for the events, not just at Lincoln, all over the country, and they will be presented at the Conference of Parties 26 in Glasgow um, in the first two weeks of November. So this is a really exciting time for the UK to show its exemplar technologies, such as the steam infusion technologies, been developed in the UK by OAL at the Conference of Parties Conference 26 in Glasgow. What I would also add here on the Carbon Zero Tour is that food and beverage is often left out of this equation. And many governments concentrate all efforts on energy generation, cement works, chemical industry clusters. But the food and beverage industry is clustered. Anyone that works in it knows that we try to rationalise distribution and all those types of things. So it's really good to highlight the value of food and beverage. And of course, with dairy products being one of our key proteins in our diets, it's going to be highlighted in the presentation that we make on the 27th of September. So now it's time to go over to Dublin for our look at the dairy markets, and this week it's Liam Fenton at StoneX. Prices on the European futures market this week have uh, come back a little bit. Um, I think a lot of buyers um, starting to balk at uh, the higher prices, particularly as expressed in milk price terms. We've had um, September butter uh, still trading around the 41.25 level of last week. Quarter four is back maybe around 20 euros to 42.40. Quarter one is back around 50, 55 euros to 41.25 level. And quarter two of uh, 2022 is trading around 41.20, which is back around 60 euros on the week. Skimmel powder also back a little bit. September is still trading around the same level as last week, around the 26.20 level. 
quarter four skimmel powder is down around 20 euros to the 27.10 level quarter one of next year is back around 35 euros a ton to 26.95 level and quarter two of 22 is back around 25 euros a ton to 26.90 level whey has been trading around the same level of around 920 925 thanks liam we'll talk to you again next week StoneX provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that does it for another show. We still have one week of September left, although with Anuga coming up, I'm not really sure how all of the podcasts will line up. There will be one next week, though. If you are going to Anuga and have something new to promote, just drop me a line and I'll be sure to swing by your booth to talk about it, if I can find the booth. In the next week or so, I'll also be busy trying to track down things I need for recording, as it's been more than a year and a half since I've had to use them all. So I'm sure I'm missing some plugs, connectors, and all kinds of other things that probably have names that I have no idea what the names are. I don't know if you've ever been in the same position of trying to explain something. You know, it screws onto the top of the frame thing and it lets you screw something else onto the top of the screw that's on the frame, like a microphone. And then after looking puzzled for a few minutes, they say, oh, you mean a twin thread tripod double male head mount? Ah, yes, how silly of me not to know that name. It does make searching for things online a little more difficult, but eventually you can often find what you're looking for. And then you order it, only to find it's coming from a different country and won't arrive for three months, by which time you've either found what you need or you don't need it anymore. I do admit every once in a while a package comes and when I open it, I look and think, what's that? And then remember, oh yes, I ordered that four months ago. I wonder why I did. Maybe it's just the senior moments happening more frequently. And so on that note, I'm going to try and find things and may resurface by next week's podcast. So until then, I hope you have a great week wherever in the world you may be and that you stay safe, take care and as always, thanks for listening.